1: I'm Yasmin. Hi. I'm Alicia Pasqualteña. I'm
2: Josie, and we're in Puerto Rico. Well, half of us are in Puerto Whoa! Rico.
1: Wait, wh- tell us why.
2: Well, I think we said why in our last installment, but we're visiting Alicia at work, and we are so happy to be here. I'm staring out into the
0: beautiful Puerto Rican island yeah we're in puerto rico Uh, she was so kind enough to come visit me um her birthday yeah i i'm another year older which feels very odd to say
2: she's 24. yeah 24.
0: good job how are you, Yazzie yeah. Boo, we miss
1: you. Uh, March nineteenth, um, a star was born, and not it's not Lady Gaga in the Bradley Cooper film. It was Alicia Pascual Pena. Thank you very much. So, if you didn't wish her a happy birthday, then, um, uh, y- you you're ugly. And so here's <laughs> How the thing: so I really, really wish I was with you uh- guys. I wish you were with us, too. Joshua Tree was beautiful. I went for my friend's birthday. I was with all my girls. It was nice. It was fun. I tried shrooms for the first time, and I don't know if it's for me. Why? You tell. Why do you say that? I was just like, I, I'm, first of all, I was like, I need to be on the floor. I don't want to be on a couch. I was on the floor with between, like, Lily and Talia, um with between my two uh, friends and i was just like i i don't know why maybe i didn't take enough maybe it's because i'm on antidepressants so it inhibits how effective it actually works on me um but it was just it was just like fine you know weed is more effective for me did you I, see stuff that was fascinating i don't think i took enough so i think i want to try more um in a different environment i feel like with less people because it was like 10 oh. girls and you know i i don't know if it was the best idea to do it with like a lot of people for my first time so probably best to do it again so overall overall joshua tree beautiful overall girls trip stunning overall shrooms mm. not enough
0: back wow, to you that was a wonderful report of your week
1: <laughs> we're gonna have to hear
2: about your second time Thank on you June, how that goes this- my week was really good my weekend was good i had my dad's 60th birthday which was the rowdiest party I've been to since like a fraternity gala it we had a DJ that was playing reggaeton and um, Bad Bunny and uh, the song Shots um, that my mom had hired and just like all 70, 60, 50 year old Arabs just like marching around and raging which was iconic my dad may or may not have participated in a bit of a strip tease when a certain song came on it it was incredible we had a food truck in our driveway and we missed you both dearly my mom it was like an open bar my mom hired a bartender and she had like this like assistant running around shout out katie she's an icon um so Chrissy really went off. Chrissy did go off. And then weirdly, we went uh, to a bar that night. And the theme of the bar was an Iranian-themed bar. So we just had Middle Eastern themes throughout the whole night. And then it was Iranian music. So we had gone from listening to more Arab music to more Arab music. It was a very Middle Eastern night.
0: So speaking of your dad's beautiful ter- Middle Eastern party and yeah as you being in tune with nature and your girls trip this week me being in puerto rico it led us to talk about who we are and like where we come from today and i'm super excited to talk Mm -hmm. about um our own ethnicities and our own cultural backgrounds because i think that even though we come from different places we experience um a lot of the same things when it comes to like feeling invalidated in our womanhood or not always being seen in america Um, for the nuances of our culture. I think one of the many ways that our friendship has grown, like between us three sisters, is learning so much about each other's families and learning words in each other's languages. Mm -hmm. Um, I have been so grateful to wake up to Josie and um, Yaz telling me, yalla Havikti, and knowing your beautiful babas and stuff like that. So today, I'm excited for us, during Women's History Month, No Better Time, than to talk about who we are, where we come from. Yeah, for people that don't know, where are you guys from? Where are your parents from? How did we end up in America?
2: Yeah, so I am. Uh, I'm born in America, obviously. Not obviously, Not obviously, <laughs> not obviously I guess that's not obvious. Oh, well, I feel like I would ma- I would make it my brand if I wasn't born in America that I wasn't born here. Um. But my parents are both of Middle Eastern descent. My mom is Lebanese. My dad is Palestinian. And my grandparents had their first son in
1: Ramallah, in Palestine. And then they moved to. Chicago. Wow. So my family came to Flint, Michigan. Um, my dad came on a boat at 12 years old from Lebanon to Michigan because of the war that broke out in Lebanon. Um, so yeah, my dad is an immigrant. Um, all my fa- all my family is still in Lebanon on my dad's side. Um, they are from Beirut, but they're also from the mountains and Baatlin. And then my mom's side, my mom was born in Oh, God, she was born in the Berkshires, Massachusetts, and there's no shade to that. But it's just it's, it'd be awesome if my mom was also born in Lebanon, but she wasn't. But her dad was born in Lebanon. So anyways, so my mom's mom it was born in Massachusetts, too. So she was uh, first gen from her dad, and she's half Italian and
0: half Lebanese. I'm from New York originally in the Bronx, but that is where my family immigrated to um, from Dominican Republic. As far back as I can look, like so many people ask, like, oh, like, what do you mix with? One, very problematic question. Please stop asking people that you've just met what they're mixed with. Let's get that on record. But people ask me, like, oh, like, what do you mix with? And I am just Dominican. Mm. I am just Dominican, very proudly of it. Um, but something that I definitely want to get into is explaining to people that I'm Dominican. It becomes very evident very quickly to me that people don't understand the difference between race, ethnicity, mm. and culture. And nationality. Um, and nationality. Like, people don't mm. understand that those are distinctly different things. Mm-hmm. Like, people are always like, oh, but if you're Dominican, are you Black? And I'm mm. like, yes, because my race is a Black woman. And I'm very proudly Afro-Latina. But my ethnicity is just Dominican and my nationality is American. Uh, my dad was born in Dominican Republic. Uh, I would say more than half of my family was born in Dominican Republic. So I'm first generation American on my dad's side. And then second on my mom's. Um, none of my grandparents speak English and I always felt very in tune with our culture. And I wanted to ask, why do we feel like it was important to talk about this today?
1: We have talked so much about this, us three, how in this space there is not enough conversation about Afro-Latinas, specifically Dominican women, and there is not enough conversations about Arab women specifically Palestinian and specifically Lebanese as well. And I feel like we do have the platform to talk about this and I feel like we do need to take up space because we are here and we're not going anywhere. I think
0: in addition to it being Women's History Month and I think it's important that we uplift where we're from and our family ideals. I also think it's a conversation that needs to be had is this is really beautiful that we're having more conversations about diversity and representation but I think to be honest about progress is the fact that we still have so much work to do. I am currently still going places 100%. in the United States where someone asks me my ethnicity mm-hmm. or how I identify. And I say I'm an Afro-Latina. And in 2023, I'm still being told by people, which is OK. Ignorance is the lack of knowledge, right? Or the lack of context. But I still have people in 2023 being like, I've never heard someone say that they were an Afro-Latina. And as much as I think that we are moving in a beautiful direction of seeing ourselves more, that still tells me like, there's still so much work to be done. I still need to be uplifting conversations and progress and growth and evolving means the continuous work. Mm-hmm. So just because we've had beautiful moments and we have amazing people like Ariana DeVos and Gina Torres and people, and I'm speaking for my own community because I want mm-hmm. you guys to have space too too we still need to be educating people, you know, with, with the access and platforms that we have. So I thought that's why we need to be having this conversation today. And it made me really excited because I know that I've learned so much from friendship with you guys about the Middle East, and there's still so much for me to learn. Um, And I still think that the media and just the general public doesn't know enough about the nuances about where we each come from. So that's why I think this conversation is really important. And I'm excited about it.
2: You are the first person that I've ever been close or met, I guess, that I'm in my memory as a person who said that they were Afro Latina. Mm. And I think that, I think yeah, that obviously there's a smaller community of like Dominicans and Puerto Ricans in LA, although we've seemed to find them. I feel like we have found every now is Dominican, or yeah, Puerto we Dominican, have. And, I love it. It makes me so happy. Um, And seeing you in your community and in your culture, like, makes me so happy. And I loved when we celebrated Dominican Independence Day. And just, like, seeing you, listening to your music with your people gave me so much warmth. Because I feel like in America, especially in predominantly white spaces, which all of us have navigated through, Mm -hmm. it can be hard to find community in that way but because you're one of the first people that I've you know gotten to know really really well about not just you being Afro-Latina but the specifics of the history of your culture and how you guys yes got to this country and I was wondering if you'd be comfortable sharing with us the the background
0: Absolutely. That. Absolutely. Thank you for asking, Daisy. Um, And you know what's crazy is a lot of my best friends have told me that I was one of the very first or if not the first person that they had ever met that identified as Afro-Latina. Um, and I'm so grateful to be a part of a community that is always willing to learn and so transparent. But to answer your question, the reality of it is, is Afro-Latinidad has always existed. There are Black people throughout Latin America. We're actually such a large portion of the population but the reality of why a lot of people have never heard the term or don't identify that way is because of anti-blackness being so prominent within Latin America. Mm. So for example, yeah. growing up, I always knew I was Dominican, mm. but no one in my family in my family identified as Afro-Latina even though we were black people who spoke Spanish. So I've spoken about it before, but as much as I loved my culture and I'm so proudly dominican i really had to learn what being like black in america was by myself mm-hmm. because i think that afro latinidad till this day is a community that's invalidated we are gaslit about the racism that we face um because there's something that a lot of latinos yes. do when i say this with love because i know that we're capable of being better is why i speak this way but a lot of Latinos kind of have this narrative of, oh, because I'm a person of color or because I have faced oppression, I can't be racist, which mm. is far from true. There is a difference between white and Black Latinos. There is a difference in privileges. For example, if you really want to get into the nitty gritty of it all, I'm a Black woman, but I don't face the adversity of a dark-skinned Black woman with 4c hair. So there are times that I need to sit and listen and grow from mm. those experiences when I'm talking to my other Black sisters and brothers. Um, and a very quick, History lesson on my uh, country specifically is Dominican Republic is in the Caribbean, and our original indigenous people were called Tainos, the same way they were like Mayans and Aztecs in Mexico. Us, it was Tainos. And then during the transatlantic slave trade, something that a lot of people don't know is 70 to 80% of Africans who were enslaved because of the transatlantic slave trade were sent to the Caribbean and that was done by Europeans including Spaniards so for my country specifically Spaniard conquistadors so um, colonizers brought slaves to work on the island and then by rape and by the continuous like intersectionalities is why you have a country of people that are black and have indigenous roots with Tainos and speak Spanish because of colonization. Um, So yeah, it it always boggles my mind, but I understand why so many Latinos get so uncomfortable with the conversation of race because it's um, internalized racism and self hatred, And we still have to work on not pandering to like white supremacy, you know, and kind of decolonizing our minds.
2: Yeah. I think that is very important to mention too, because I think we even often navigate circles where we meet people and it's one or the other with some people. Obviously, this isn't a conversation that I'm a part of because I'm not black, nor am I Afro-Latina. Yeah, but you've witnessed. But I've witnessed knowing from you, it's like people who are mm -hmm. black presenting who don't want to be black or don't say that they're black. Um, And then the other side of it who are people who are not black presenting but are dominican
0: mm-hmm.
2: and are and are like i can say the n-word i can say this because
0: yeah yeah because i am yes. you know I mean? Absolutely. because once again there's a difference as a dominican person all of us have african ancestry we have spaniard ancestry and we have indigenous ancestry but it does not mean that you are black You know what I mean? For example, my mom and I are 100 percent the exact same culture. Both my mom and dad are from the exact same island, but they are different complexions. And that's why, like, you know, I think our education system fails us in certain ways because they put us in certain rigid boxes and lack the intersectionality of going, hey, this may be your culture, but not your race. For example, there are biracial people that their blackness should never be negated. If you are biracial and black and white, you should be proud of your blackness. But there's a difference between navigating the world as a black person and having ancestry that is black. And a lot of that has to do with how you're perceived. Exactly. Because race is a construct. Race is a social a construct with valid real world. Which I think is important to
2: mention too, because when we say if you're if you're black, if you're not black, when we're referring to race, we're referring to the, the color. The of your social skin. construct.
0: And that's why featureism and texturism is a thing. And that's why like. I've been very grateful to now be in spaces and learn from activists that I love and authors that I love. Like when I talk about blackness, I'm talking about the African diaspora. That is why when I talk about empowerment um, and collective, it's in regards to like the African diaspora um, and understanding, Mm. like there are nuances of texturism and futurism. And that even though we are one Black family that should be united, there are differences in our experiences. And unfortunately, I think my country really still does struggle with listening and validating the racism um, that Black Latinos are experiencing. Because even though we're all Latinos, there's a difference between how we're perceived and the racism that we still deal with in our country. And I think Afro-Latinos as a whole, it's still very much a battle to even like feel seen or feel validated because I feel like, Josie, you've seen it happen to me. Yaz, you've seen it happen to me where people want me to prove my Latinness to them or my Latinidad, um, Yes, and they act shocked and appalled feel, when they hear you speak Spanish. Yes. And
2: they're like, "When did you learn Spanish?" And yeah. you're like, "It's and actually I, my first language."
1: I think it also goes both ways, where you have to. What I've witnessed is you have yeah. to prove your Latinidad. and you have to also. I've noticed prove your blackness sometimes, also in different in spaces. Ways? Spaces. I've noticed. I felt like, in, for example, on Save by the Bell, I've like I've seen it like on different comments and stuff. Like people within. Different communities saying, yeah. "Well, you're one thing or the other," when you didn't have to. Does did, did that make sense? Not in physical yeah, things, yeah, yeah. but how people. Well, I, I do you. feel
0: like people throughout my life have been like, "Okay, so are you Latino or are you Black?" And I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, yeah." I understand. That's what I'm trying
1: to know. say. Yeah. Um,
0: and it's like, no, that's the beauty of an intersectionality. I'm proudly both. I'm not one percentage of one or one percentage of the other, and that makes people uncomfortable. Because specifically in America, I think it's done with. Throughout mm-hmm. the world, there's a social hierarchy where you, you have to pick one, and it's like I've refused to do that my whole life, and I'm not going to make you feel more comfortable in your whiteness by diluting one part of myself, you know. Mm-hmm. But what are things that you guys think that you struggled 100%. with? hundred percent. Um, sorry, do you want to add something before I ask a question? Uh, yes.
1: Yes, I I think th- the three things that that really stuck with me, what you said is the first thing is the miseducation. Cause I feel like, th- you know, we don't in school, at least for me, we had one day talking about the transatlantic mm-hmm. slave trade. And then that was it and how it doesn't affect any of the Caribbean countries. It just goes straight to the Southern part of the United States. Second is the inner racism mm-hmm. within people of color as well. And then the blatant racism mm-hmm. within people of color as well, because a lot of times with Arabs too, they are so racist. Towards other types of people, and they say that we can do that though because we're also people of color and we're also marginalized. Yeah. So it's okay to be awful just, to other we've people. Learned too. Is that everybody is racist. <laughs> no, but it's just
2: the truth. Every culture. No,
0: no, no. no. Yes, yeah. <laughs> not say everybody's racist. What I think. Not everybody's racist. I think but every culture has embedded. racist
2: tendencies, and does racist shit. Yeah.
0: Well, I think to another culture. I think that there's ignorance across the world, and I think that the infrastructures that we all live under are rooted in white supremacy. Let's call it what it is, white supremacy. Yes. And as people of color, I think sometimes to alleviate the own pressure that we we harbor within ourselves, we want to oppress someone else.
1: You know what I mean? Mm. Or
0: point fingers somewhere else. Mm -hmm. And that really hurts me because it's a lack of self-love, it's a lack of being able to celebrate the uniqueness of where you come from. Mm. And also we play this oppression Olympics Mm -hmm. sometimes you know what I mean? It's like, oh well yes, I struggled. Yes, it's yes, like yes, yes like yep. an Asian person, indigenous person, Middle Eastern person, we're all struggling, but it doesn't mean that we struggle in the same way. So we should want to support one another and liberate one another while also listening to the differences that we're experiencing day to day. You know what I mean? Um, but 100%. but I found myself so many yes, times Alicia. being like like you just you trying to be white so bad or like you really like Are trying to prove something that you're not you know what Mm. I mean and I think that I've been able to find solace and peace Mm. in knowing Mm. that like I'm not supposed to fit in in spaces you know what I mean like all of us are navigating what colonization internally looks like for ourselves but um it makes me want to ask you guys as middle eastern women living in America how have you found validated what do you feel like are the biggest obstacles you've had to face in regards to like explaining your culture or celebrating your culture with other people
2: I have always known that I am Arab and that I was an Arab person because my family is so proud and prideful of our culture. And we've always had that community in San Francisco. Mm. We had this thing called the Ramallah club where everybody, because so many Arabs go to San, San Francisco in the Bay, the Bay area is where the yeah, Arabs the are Bay at. area. And so the Ramallah club is everybody yeah. who's literally from Ramallah, the village that my is from in Palestine goes to this club and once a year they would host a gala it's hundreds of people and this is why whenever I'm somewhere I'm like oh that's my cousin yeah because they're probably from Ramallah and there's only like a few thousand yes. people from this one village and so I met people ever since I was so young that were from you know the from Palestine from Ramallah but in america so it was very weird because i had this sort of like americanized upbringing where it was very suburban living and my brother was on the football team Mm. but like at the same time we had a very distinct sense of where we came from and that was always at the forefront Mm. and instead of you know dropping off cupcakes or muffins when someone moves to the neighborhood my mom would bring hummus and like everyone knew about christine's hummus and my cousins on both sides were really really close to us like one side of our family the lebanese side um we shared a backyard with them and they lived behind us and then my other cousins who are like natalia and christian who you've met um they would come Every single weekend, we'd either go to San Francisco and see them, or they would come for every single holiday. And it was always a part of our community. And I was always proud of that. And it wasn't until I got older that I started to hear certain things and realize that maybe certain parts of my culture weren't something to be necessarily proud of. And I think when my sister started high school, she went to this like very upper echelon white high school, which was actually what the school in Lady Bird was based on
0: oh, wow. St.
2: Francis High School in Sacramento. And Greta Garwig went okay, there. Okay, Greta and so Gerwig. did my mom and so did my sister. And that's when my mom started saying things like, oh, your sister's hanging out with like a lot of white people. Like she's she's trying to like fit in and she, mm-hmm. she wants to fit in that way. And I never thought of us having to fit in until then. And then when I moved to LA at 10 years old, I remember distinctly... My mom telling me and my dad telling me when you walk into the audition, they they ask you, oh, what's your ethnicity? Yeah. My parents always said never tell them you're Palestinian because of how controversial mm. it is to be yeah. Palestinian, unfortunately, and, not yeah. me, and how political yeah. it is. Oh. Yeah. And to be so, I I always oh. told people I'm Italian. <laughs> so I would walk into rooms. I know they'd say what's your ethnicity, and I would say I'm Italian. <laughs> and so I didn't start telling people I was Palestinian until I was, like, until I was, like, 16, 17 years old, maybe. Yeah. Maybe even 17 years old, yeah. 18. Like, I didn't even post about, wow. you know, my own country until I was older. And I remember my cousins, my aunt, my auntie Reem, who I love so much, she would always ask me about it or tell me, you know, why don't you ever tell people? Why, why aren't you? And I think because I was afraid of... My own identity being controversial, which is funny because my entire identity is, I guess, controversial and political and every aspect of the intersectionality that is Josie. Mm-hmm. Um, But I kind of had to like find that within my own. And I kind of had more compassion for my sister of why we would go out to places or we would go get food and my sister would be like excited to not have our food because she was probably being bullied for it I
0: was just gonna say I I think with maturity too like I've had to learn just to give people immense amount of grace like a lot of us are just trying to survive like you have to even now like when I meet someone obviously not when someone's being like blatantly racist and awful but when I meet a person of color who is uncomfortable in their own culture ethnicity I understand that people have made you to feel that way So hopefully I can make you feel more comfortable in your skin and where you come from because it isn't easy navigating these white spaces. And like, you know, you want to pander to white people to be accepted, to be elevated. Like we are working under these oppressive infrastructures where we want to succeed. And, you know, like I engage in respectability politics in high school and in college. And I am thankful for people in my life like you guys and communities that have given me the liberty to become a lot more radical and speak the way we do.
1: And I also feel like as to mm-hmm. alienate them even more so than they Absolutely. does more of a disservice Absolutely. than we really think it does because like i think well first of all josie thank you for sharing all of that because i feel like and even though like i know i don't i didn't know some of the stories about your sister but like i know so much of this about you but also you sharing this is so brave as well because um it's very it takes a lot of courage to talk about a culture our culture, that is not very common because there's not a lot of Dominicans in this world. There's not a lot of Palestinians. There's not a lot of Lebanese. We have also very small Mm -hmm. countries. Small but powerful, baby.
0: There's something that you said, Yaz, that to isolate someone who is navigating what their culture looks like for them isn't helpful. Like, I think it's important to love someone through that process. And there's an African proverb that I love that says the child that is ostracized from the tribe will burn it down and I
1: I I I adore that African
0: proverb because I I think it's like for us as people from different cultures growing up in America and being minorities I think that we have a distinct experience of trying to understand who we are in the United States and understanding the sacrifices that our family made for us but keeping our culture alive and there is like this duality that we have to learn um how to deal with and i think it's important to understand like we're not a monolith we experience our cultures differently um like to come from immigrant parents is such a blessing but it is something you have to like grow through and yeah how do you feel like you did that growing up
1: i feel like whenever i would say to people like oh i'm lebanese to like you're a lesbian i'm like little, you know, did, I they said know. Lebanese. little did you know oh uh, well, was... t <laughs> that i'm bisexual too um yeah it's it's being a Lebanese woman is the proudest thing about me. It's, it's, it's my pride and my joy. It's everything. It's, you know, growing up, I always knew I was different because, A, believe it or not, I have very curly hair. But over the years of doing the keratin treatment and straightening it constantly, um, it is now like this. But if I don't do the keratin treatment, it will get curly again. But I want it to be white so badly, I straightened it every single day. I wanted to be white so badly that I would introduce myself as Yasmin or Yasmeen for years up until college. I would be like, my name is Yasmeen. Could you imagine that? Me saying that, and Yasmin Hamidi. When mm. my name is Yasmeen Hamidi. Yasmin Diyal Ahmedi, And now when people say my name wrong, I'm like, actually, it's it's Yasmeen. And I think for so long, because of white supremacy, mm-hmm. we don't want to take up the space to correct people for their mistakes. And it's not making them feel like a fool or not making them feel um, like they did something wrong, but this is my name. Can you please say it correctly? You say the name Sarah correctly. You say the name Lindsay correctly. There's no problem where you can say mm-hmm. Yasmeen. And so that's my thing with all of this. And then also like, my dad and my mom, you know, they, we all spoke Arabic growing up, you know, like my Jiddu and Teta, my Sittu, my siti and Jiddi. Uh, everyone spoke Arabic. Having a group of Arabs, specifically for me, the Lebanese community has been a pillar of who I am. And that's specifically going to Lebanon in the summer. I was fortunate enough to go every summer. You know, there's pride holding that Lebanese flag. And we were colonized by the French years ago. And no one really knows that because we don't talk about the Middle East in at our school. We don't talk about the Middle East whatsoever yeah. unless it's about war. You know, um, and I think specifically after nine eleven, you know, the world of how we view Arabs have completely changed yeah. after that. Um, And I think, and like, I, there's been spaces, it's been harder to navigate, like traveling is harder to navigate, you know, Um, also introducing my parents to people. I was always nervous to introduce my family to people growing up because they were always loud. Arabs are loud. Arabs are rowdy. And like, my mom's name is Amal. My dad's name is Mahmoud Dani. Like, you know what I mean? And there was for so long, I was like, they're just going to be loud. They're not going to want to. They never took us to McDonald's growing up. They never took us to fast food chains. We just make some jejourez or lebni with chibis, which is bread in the type of yogurt with chiyari, which is cucumber on it, and then eat it. The food, the culture, the music, there's nowhere I feel more home than like being in Lebanon or like even like going to Josie's house to be with her parents because my parents are in the Bay. But like when her parents are here, like having your mom put out the fresh veggies and fruits out with a little bit of bread. You know, it's little things like that that reminds me of home so much. And then also seeing at your dad's birthday, everyone doing the Depki. And a Depki is a type of Middle Eastern dance. And every country does it a little bit differently. Palestine, Lebanon, Syria. Everyone does it a little differently where everyone holds hands and they go around in circles or around in a square and they just dance. And I, we could do a tutorial sometime to do it. But I think for so long, I wanted to be white. And for so long, I hated the fact that my name was Yasmeen. You know, I used to want to make my name Lorraine after Hillary Duff no. from Cheaper by the Dozen. I didn't. No, yeah, Lorraine. out of all the fucking names. Why not? Lorraine is such a yeah, nice Yeah, no name. one knows that. I wanted to name my name, name, name Lorraine. I remember when I was like 10, I was like, mom, <laughs> I hate my name. Call me Lorraine. I, I was like,
0: 10. why?
1: And I go, because I wanted to c- color my hair blonde. I wanted blue eyes. I would start cutting my hair like shaving my hair but like my mom didn't let me shave it is this with you guys too did your parents not want you to shave your hair they always said wax it because
0: it's going to grow back darker it's something that i still don't do till this day and i'm so grown my mom told me to never shave above my knee so i shave above my knee when i tell you maybe two times a year but it's, she doesn't have
2: hair above her knee. I do. Yeah. But yeah. my mom
0: just told me that. But speaking of hair, I was lucky. that's
2: one big insecurity that I feel like I have. Because mm. as Arabs, we have so much hair. And thank God that we do because the hair on our head. But, you know, because the hair on our head is very thick and mm. and luscious and amazing. And I love my hair, even though my hair can be a bit of a bitch the style sometimes because it's so thick and I think people are surprised all the time about how big my hair is you have such beautiful thick hair I love it. but I um I I yeah I feel that all the time like there's hair on my body and and that's what makes me feel so happy to see other Arab women and other Arab people and like my own sister like who also like have hair on their arms and like thankfully i don't have my mom has like grew up getting her like upper lip wax and things like that that i don't have to do thank god but like (laughs) that's very big in in our in our community is having so much hair and that was something that i was always so embarrassed about and i feel like i've had to learn to i even said it to you today i was like i'm Mm -hmm. so embarrassed but like i have to own learn to like rock it and own it and i'm grateful for it because i have my brows
1: Your Space Coast vacation is preparing for liftoff. Start counting down now. 10, 9, 8, 7, it's time for a beach vacay that feels like heaven. Six, five, four. come explore Melbourne and the beaches. Three, two, one. it's time for some rocket-filled fun. Count down to your best beach vacation ever
0: on Florida's Space Coast. Launch your planning now at visitspacecoast.com. Want the same expert advice you get from the pros in the store while shopping online at DiscountTire.com? Meet Treadwell, your personal online tire guide that matches you with the perfect tire for your vehicle. Get your best match in one minute or less with Treadwell by Discount Tire. Start clean with Clorox because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because...
1: Hey honey, you know your dad's world famous chili. Yeah, the one that takes 24 hours to make. So I was trying to help out and bring the pot to the table, but it was like super hot. And then
0: I um, dropped it and now the floor looks all, you know, stained with chili. Look, the point is, you guys cool with pizza for dinner? <laughs> Honey?
1: Ooh, yeah, that happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. What
0: are things that, as a kid, specifically in regards to, like, your culture, what are stereotypes from our cultures or misconceptions that, like, we had to, like, overcome or that would, like, really frustrate us? I have, oof, a laundry list as a Latina. Specifically being an Afro-Latina, just number one, people being, like, you're not a thing. Like, I've had people straight up be, like, no, 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 you're not Um So that, just specifically in my own intersectionality, people just fully do not believe we're a thing or fully believe, especially in the industry that I'm in, that, like, we deserve a larger voice. Like, if they want a Latina, I think I'm so used to, like, it being Mm -hmm. this cookie-cutter, like, super opinionated, over-the-top, loud, which I am all those things. But not um, all Latinos are that. Um, Ooh, being over-sexualized is a huge thing. I think because I'm a Latina woman um people being latina and black because of noir, and then you know um machismo so both just awful ideals that people perpetuate i think people fetishize me in a lot of ways like they yeah. fetishize me because they were like "Ooh, like spicy, you're, you're spicy you're exotic you see me i think that i've done yeah, so yeah, much yeah. inner work <laughs> to not respond um from a place of hate when people say things. But I think my one thing that I still like, my eye twitches when anyone says to me, which people still do, is that I'm spicy.
2: Well, also another thing that I've been prejudiced to you about. Oh gosh. Is, and this is in large part because of my own ignorance. I, it's so weird to say I grew up, growing up in LA. uh, Because I kind of did grow up in LA. I moved here when I was like nine, 10 years old. Yeah, I
0: feel like LA is a part of your,
2: the majority of my life I've lived in LA. Mm -hmm. But I think because of that, so much of my experience and knowledge with Latino people is Mexican culture because we are so close to Mexico and like everyone I grew up learning Spanish and meeting people that speak Spanish and on the street you could speak to like one out of every yeah. ten people probably know Spanish in yeah. in Los Angeles. And I Shout just out to assumed. Kind of I remember we were at a Roma cafe, and I was just like, "You don't like spicy food? How are you Latina and you don't like spicy food?" Yeah, and you were like, "Cause I'm Dominican, bitch,"
0: and we actually don't have any spicy food in our national in international in food. Yeah, and that is a misconception, and it seems so minuscule. That is like one of the biggest things, and mind you. I love the mexican culture like i've been called the Black many a times in my life and i'm honored but i'm just like i'm not that there's this thing that we do that we homogenize cultures and it does a disservice to all the beauty that cultures have within them like i'm i've had to tell people like no i'm not brazilian like someone just yesterday in this hotel in puerto rico a black man came up to me and goes you're brazilian right and i was like one sir you don't know me two no i'm not brazilian i'm dominican like people are so emboldened to just like assume Assume. and I'm just like don't do that and ask and like growing up with my name like literally like I had an agent once tell me to not even not even just that I had an agent tell me to change it because you know they weren't gonna see me for Latina and shout out to her because she wasn't wrong like for the first few years of my career like I just was right what? um people just didn't want to see me what does she want your name to be they were just like do you want to like drop your last names because it's so long and because like you want to lean into being ethnically oh, ambiguous like yeah they were like it's I so know long that's what they always be, called me ethnically, yeah, ambiguous. They were like, You're ethnically ambiguous you can go out for everything and as I a little do. girl learning who you are like it was hard because I, I did have to ask myself should i be proud of being black and should i be proud of being latina And then, like, even in high school, I had, like, Mm, a group mm -hmm. of people call me Consuela, like, and I'd have people be like, oh, Julio Esteban, like, from Sweet Life, Zach and Cody, because my name is Alicia. Love him. They sort that. Yeah, (laughs) we love him. Shout out to him. Because my name. Did you inadvertently inadvertently memorize it? it? No, that's the thing. I didn't know it. I don't know if they're Julio. Like, shout out to that Latino man. But I was like, yes, my name is Alicia del Sol Pascual Peña. And I love all of my name. And I'm glad that I didn't change it or drop it for acting or to lean into being ethnically ambiguous.
1: No, and you know what? Our ancestors and also your parents worked so damn hard to give you that name. They didn't just wake up one morning and be like, "Oh, her name's going to be Alicia del de Sol Pascual Peña." Like, no, they put effort into that. Do you know what I mean? And so it's important to carry that baton on because that is a part of yes, the culture. I can't think of any um, misconceptions or stereotypes in our culture.
0: Why? Are you lying? Oh, I've been asked any before. I've been asked I can't before.
1: Think of any. Um Oh. As Arab Yes, Bitch, I'm joking. I can, I can tell you right now. I've are called I said, for-
2: sarcasm. We're called terrorists. We're bombers. I thought you were serious. I. We
1: smell. We're called. We're, we're bombers. Disgusting. We're terrorists. We're maids. We smell camels, sand. Um, I've been asked before, like, where is Lebanon or what's that? The amount of times where I'm like, I'm Lebanese. It's either, oh, you're a lesbian. I'm like, no. Or B, um, you're Lebanon. Uh, where's that? What's Lebanon? Where's that? Is that near Czechoslovakia? Is that near one of the countries in the Europe area? No, that is in the Middle East. One oh, you're a thing fucking asshole. That's what you can that fucking do. I
2: think is also important to men- mention too that it's a misconception, is a lot of people think all Arabs are Muslim. Mm. And there's obviously nothing wrong yeah, with being Muslim. Yeah, I have yeah, so yeah. many cousins that are and no yeah. people that are. But yeah, I think religion. that there's so there's so much religious Diversity in the Middle East, mm. and specifically in Palestine, like back in the day, every single creed, um, religion existed in in that area, yeah. and everyone lived together happily. Which is why it's sad that yeah. that everything that's happening yeah. with the apartheid really in Israel, yeah. yeah. And I think
0: Free that
2: is also something that is really difficult to navigating the. Israeli Palestinian conflict, the apartheid, because I am meeting people as an adult and navigating the world as an adult and mm-hmm. wanting to make friendships and connections and having such a turbulent thing a part of that just comes with being e- existing mm-hmm. makes things a lot more difficult and like I'm that's why I'm really grateful to my friends who are from Tel Aviv and their families are from. the the other side of the West bank Mm -hmm. and like my friend Mimi and we have like long extensive conversations. And I think, I think those are so important. And I also think my activism and my speaking out is so important. Mm -hmm. And I it's, it's so, it's so difficult too because I think when you talk about any apartheid or any oppressor, it's hard to look at it like having a conversation because how can you have a conversation with, with uh, about something that you're being oppressed about? Yeah. Like when your where, own personal your family is dealing with. Yeah.
0: Like, I, I will say um, I really, really commend the both of you guys because I have seen people lack so much compassion in regards to the conversation about where you guys are from. Like you guys aren't actually dealing with the implications of the apartheid and it, um, disheartens me that I personally don't think enough people around us are saying like free Palestine and having this conversation with enough context and knowledge of what's happening on the ground. as As a friend, I think you guys really intelligently and kindly educate people when you shouldn't have to, frankly, because people should be aware of the atrocities happening and the apartheid going on and the amount of lives being lost.
1: I am not Palestinian, but I am as an Arab woman. I think it's I think it's all the more important as another Arab country and as another, we have to stand up for our other Arab siblings specifically in Palestine because I feel so often the Middle Eastern countries they want to remain silent on things and they want to like just mind their own business when our brothers and sisters and siblings are being affected by this directly yeah. and that's something like I pride myself with my family doing like we're ne- we're never going to stay silent about this because it does affect the people we love and it does affect us too because Alicia you have said this and it has always stuck with me and this is not even specifically to do with the arabs but this is something to do with every marginalized community is what what is the exact wording of it a win for one marginalized community yeah, like is a win our, for all yeah is that what you i say, say it all the
0: time like our liberation doesn't matter if we can't free our sisters and brothers you know what i mean like i think that we should
1: 100%. all be taking
0: up space while allocating it for other people that don't look like us or don't speak our language i think that's what progression looks like. I think that if we want to fight for an equitable world, it's about learning about other people while also standing true in who we are. There is a
2: lot of ignorance within the Lebanese community and there's like a lot of like right-wing Lebanese people and Do we want to take it there? Let's take it there. But that's also important to talk about too because not every community thinks the same, obviously. So... I just I find that interesting. and I think we when we talk about nine eleven, which was obviously one of the worst things to ever happen to our country, and mm-hmm. such an awful, like abhorrent day mm-hmm. and an event. Yes, but when we discuss it, I think it's important, not at the same time, because I think we need to honor the lives lost and how awful that was and how traumatic that was. But I think it's also important to discuss the way Arabs were perceived in this country changed tremendously after that day. And we didn't even have TSA or security at airports until 9-11. And, and they were taught and they were, they learned how to look out for, you know, certain threats and, Most of that was just racial profiling and navigating the world as an Arab person. One that I, an identity that I don't necessarily am perceived immediately by people Mm. to have. Mm. So I have the privilege to pass in that way. But my family members who wear hijabs or, you know, cover their hair and are wearing certain things, you know, are immediately stopped or immediately spoken to. And there is evidence statistically that Arab hate crimes towards Arab people went up by astronomical numbers after that. And I think that we forget how the way we are perceived, the the way we perceive our own people. Um, And I just think that is an important
1: thing to mention. I think it's important to acknowledge that, but, so I want to go back to what you said about the, the right-winged, very conservative parts of the Arab community and also a lot of POC communities, too. There's, like, this special little pocket of, like, conservatives. Like, who am I thinking about? Judge Jeanine Pirro on Fox. She's a Lebanese. Isn't she Lebanese? Well, She's, Jeanine like, this Peril. Arab woman who's, we're like, the, pro li- the actually, pro-life. Actually, pro-life, pro-Trump. Trump more like for she, the and people. I'm just, like, you give us such a bad name. Oh. She is Lebanese, and I'm just like, why judge Janine? Why? Because you give us such a bad name. Yo, no. It's like Marco Rubio. Like,
0: I will never forget, and I talk about it openly. One of the highest demographics to vote for Trump were Latinos, were white ass Latinos, and yeah. I will never forget. Like you do not stand in solidarity with your sisters and brothers of color. And I've I've had people who are very right wing tell me, Alicia, pero we're all Latinos. And I'm like, no, because we're not living the same life and you're okay with being complicit to my oppression Mm. and you're taking part in that. And there are, I think, and I think this is a much larger narrative upon just immigration not just even our own cultures but people within our own cultures fit within this mold that they will get to america or immigrate from a place understandably because they're overcoming adversity or they want a new life which is something really commendable but then they get there and they want to assimilate so bad that they believe that they need to prove themselves in whiteness or um associate with oppression and i i'm sorry like I'm, i will never justify that i think i have yes. um understanding and compassion why there are peculiar people that believe in the bootstrap theory. Um, And it's like, no, I I think that you've forgotten where you come from and are lacking compassion for people with immigrant stories and understanding that it looks different. Like my dad, I don't know why he told me this as a little girl, but my dad would tell me, because I have never understood why there are so many Latinos or so many people of color that are so complicit in the impression of other people. And he would say, unfortunately, a lot of people do this thing. And he calls it like the bus theory. Because if you know anything about New York or even in Dominican Republic, we call them guaguas, are super packed. And it's like before you got on the bus, you'd be chasing that bus. I know I ran after a bus in the Bronx. You'd be chasing that you'd be chasing Alicia. that bus. Alicia. And you're like, and you you yeah. literally are trying to slip like a couple of dollars to the bus driver, like, please like stop here in between stops. But then when you're on that bus, you will have people in the back advocating, no, keep going. They missed it. They missed the bus. They missed the bus. Or, oh, no, no, no. Like, it's, this this bus is packed party right season. now. I just I realized let you're
2: giving me an analogy. Yes. Because I'm like, yes, I mean you've
0: never been on a bus. <laughs> <laughs> I'm
2: sorry. I was like, why are you... Oh, what are you talking about? I've I mean, been on a bus. an MTA New so, York so, bus, though.
0: So, sorry. A party no, bus. No, and I'm not talking about a no party bus. I'm talking about MTA no, bus no, no. in New York.
1: So, I've been on a bus. The one... Going from Newport Beach back to Orange. Now you have Yaz fighting for her life. I've been on a bus.
0: But anyways, it is analogy. It's analogy for immigration. I must say, not all skin folk is kin folk. We must remember that, my sisters and brothers. And just because someone is from your community doesn't mean that they respect your experience. I'm not naive to the fact that my parents sacrificed so much and overcame obstacles to allow me a life that they did not have. So it would, it would be naive of me to sit yeah. here and not understand the privilege that I've had by being raised in America. So I'm so grateful that I was allotted an education and I had resources that my parents didn't have. Like they come from the most humble beginnings um, and that is never lost on me. Uh, so I am grateful, you know, that I was raised in a country where I was allotted a lot of benefits. But I think... The other side of that truth is because I am a minority, because I am proudly black, because I am Latina, my experience had certain obstacles and I felt ostracized and I feel oppressed because um, of my race and my culture and ethnicity. And that's okay. But I think it is also important for us to acknowledge that we were blessed in a lot of ways. And there's a reason that our parents are the immigrant story. And I would argue that we actually are the American dream. The three of us girls, we are the American dream. Yes, we are. And, and, you know, and like I'm very grateful that I come from a household and two parents specifically that were very outspoken politically. Like from a very young age, they made me aware of ways that this country um, didn't value us. But I would argue that on a land of the United States that is of indigenous people and built by African individuals who were enslaved, we are the dream. The fact that our parents from different cultures, from different countries, came here and made a life for themselves out of nothing, that is poetic. I think we are the American dream. Like in the words of Key, like when like when he was giving That's his beautiful. speech, that is the American dream to me. You know what I mean? Like him being an actor and his family coming from where they come from and him not feeling validated and being an Asian man with an accent. Like that is what i actually think it is i don't think it's this commercialized superficial idea of the white picket fence um 100%. without blended household um and that makes me want to end with a question that brings me joy because i know how proud we are of our own cultures Is how did your parents living in america still celebrate and uplift your culture like how did they make you aware of where you come from and your roots
1: for me it's the food for me, it's the people that we surround ourselves with. Yeah, you're like the food. It's We have a, an amazing community of Lebanese people. The, like my parents' friends. They're my tante, they're my khalo, they're my uncle, my aunt. Even if we're not blood-related, they're my uncle and my aunt. They're my tante and khalo, they're my cousins. And we've only met twice. Um, it's the music. It's listening to Feirouz who is an old Lebanese singer back in the 80s. Nancy, it's shout out Nancy. Listening to my Shout out Nancy Ajram. It's listening to my from listening to stories from my jiddo, listening to stories from my teta, going back to my land and making it an important pillar of the foundation of our upbringing. So for that my parents like I'm forever indebted to them, and I can't wait for my future yeah. kids. I agree. To be when doing I think that of Arabic food, that be- I
2: think it's like water to me. Like, I, I don't know if that makes sense, but it's like, it's yeah. so. Oh, it's it necessary. necessary. I'm eating no, it does. something
1: no, it does. different.
2: I just eat, like hummus and tabbouleh, and I grew up eating mashia. My teta would make me mashie, um back in the day, and that was like my oh, favorite meal oh, and like Josie. tomato soup. Like, there's nothing better than like your teta's own meals, and I wish that I was old enough or to like have more memories of that time because she died when I was quite young. Um but so definitely the food, the people, and just the fact that like we as Arabs, we have such like a mob mentality in the sense of like, if anyone else a, is also mobbing. an Arab, that is our cousin. Oh so actually, I'm recognized yeah. in my own culture. Very familiar. Any time yes. my I hear I get an Uber and I hear an accent, I'm like are you Arabic? Are you Middle Eastern? And I know immediately, yes, 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 or like yes. when we're on the street, and my mom will like just start yelling at someone that she thinks is Middle Eastern. Sometimes it's awkward when they're not, <laughs> or like if someone is Palestinian or Lebanese, like they'll be spending the night at our house. We had only met them twice, but because they're yeah. they're also Arab, like
0: they're home, they're their family. family to
2: us. But I think the only thing that I would be sad about, or would be remiss if to not include and I know I don't need DNA to do that is my Arab culture mm. because I want my kids to grow up eating the same food yes, that I did and all of that and in that environment yeah. so I think those are ways yeah. we celebrate we love to party we Her. did this weekend and we'll do it again and yeah I'm just so proud of yeah, being we Arab and to party. I love Bella Hadid and I love <laughs> Mo and I love Rami ah, Malik
1: so
2: and um, and I love Rami, Rami Yusuf, Yusuf,
1: Yusuf as well too. I, know, so. I just want to say I'm really proud
0: of you guys it's not easy to always stand in your truth and in your, in your culture especially when it's like politicized or people may deem it controversial quote-unquote and I hope you guys both know like you have blessed me I have been so honored and it's been like one of the greatest gifts knowing you guys to not only know you on a personal level but learn more about your culture and your traditions and your phenomenal food. Um and just the sorry, I'm right. sorry. So Food, I got emotional, um, and and learning about your mm. intersectionalities, and you guys are going to continue to educate people about where you come from and uplift and celebrate the beauty of where you guys come from. And but same for you though. Yeah, thank you. I, I like I think anyone who knows me. Yeah, yeah. Can you can you tell us? Anyone who knows me knows like I rep where I am from. Like it, it is tatted on my forehead. Um, yes, you do. I love my community so so much I think one of the biggest parts of my identity is being an Afro-Latina woman and standing proudly in that um through all the complicated intricacies of people not understanding me or people I think commodifying my experience or fetishizing me all of those things aside like I wouldn't trade it for the world um but I'm so grateful for each part of our culture every single part I take pride in and I just am always so humbled to share moments with my community like our food is the best. Tres golpes is like my, my favorite is. meal on the planet. I could dance bachata for seven days straight. Um, I think the energy and our resilient spirit of being on an island, like our joy, like oh. it is, I think, a foundation of who I am. Like to look at things with an optimistic lens is because of, you know, in part because I'm Dominican. Um, and, man, are we crazy and boisterous. Aww. And I love every part of it. I love the ratchetry. I love the limbo. I love something. Que soy del campo. Uh, I, like, I love all of it. I love Ooh. que mi familia tiene un finca. Like, I love mm. all of it. You better tell them. Um, but thank you. Yes.
2: Yeah. I was just going to say that there mm. is really no other culture other than my own that I feel so much pride in <laughs> than Dominican culture and it just it makes me so happy and I'm so upset that like people are so ignorant because you are so beautiful and your story is so beautiful and your culture and your people are so incredible and just like thank you for constantly sharing that and now when I go to a club or a bar and someone says that they're Dominican like I scream yeah and like it makes me and they're very confused because they're like you're literally a white woman yeah. but I'm like you don't understand like yeah.
0: <laughs> I want to close out this episode by dedicating it to our beautiful multicultural families We wouldn't be who we are like without them and I also want to give the biggest abrazo y besos which means the biggest hugs and kisses two kids from immigrant families like you are seen and whatever your cultural experience yep. is is valid and we love you and don't shy away from learning more about who you are and your ancestry and roots it's powerful and it's special and you should feel beautiful in whatever your culture is
1: i love
2: that that's beautiful yay
1: thank you for listening and we'll be back next week Dare We Say, is a Crooked Media production. Caroline Reston is our showrunner, producer, and mommy. And Ari Schwartz is our producer and show daddy. Fiona Pastana is our associate producer. And Sandy Girard is the almighty executive producer. It's hosted and produced by me, Josie Toda. And me, Yasmin Hamadi. And me, Alicia Pascual-Pena.
0: Our engineer and editor is Jordan Cantor. And Brian Vasquez is our theme music composer. Our video producers are Matt DeGroot, Narm Melconian, and Dylan Villanueva, and Mia Kelman. Lastly, thank you to Jordan Silver, Gabriella Leverette,
2: Jesse McLean, Caroline Haywood, Shayna Hortzman, Daisy Cruz, Danielle Jensen, and Awa Okalati for marketing the show and making us look so damn good.